at the time I, I was using some hard money lending and I'm not sure who all is super familiar with that, but you know, they have penalties. If you don't get done in a certain time, they penalize you. And next thing you know, I had six to 10 projects all come up to their maturity date. And I was penalized a ridiculous amount of money, got fined by the EPA. Hello, fellow risk takers, and welcome to my worst investment ever. Stories of loss to keep you winning. In our community, we know that to win in investing, you must take risk, but to win big, you've got to reduce it. And I bet you're exposed to investment risk right now. To reduce it, go to myworstinvestmentever.com and download the risk reduction checklist I've made specifically for you based on the lessons learned from all of my guests. Fellow risk takers, this is your worst podcast host, Andrew Stotts from A. Stotts Academy, and I'm here with featured guest, Shane Torres. Shane, are you ready to rock? I am definitely ready to rock. All right, let's go. I'm going to introduce you to the audience. So Shane is the CEO and founder of Road to 20 Million. He's on a mission to redefine the journey to success and make it attainable for everyone. Shane is committed to helping people achieve real estate business success with life balance through valuable resources, business planning, and consulting for both entrepreneurs and real estate professionals. Regardless of industry or whether you hope to accomplish $1 or $100 million in production, Shane can help. Shane knows firsthand that success does not come easy. He faced countless personal and professional roadblocks. He went from bankrupt, broken, and facing foreclosure to selling $20 million in real estate in just four short years. Shane has built a highly productive team at his own company and lives a life he had only dreamed of living. Shane's mission now is to help others to achieve personal and professional success and a balanced quality of life. Shane, take a minute and fill any further tidbits about your life. Yeah, no, thank you. And thanks for the introduction. Yeah, so a uh, quick background about me. You think that what I just went through was my worst thing ever, but it was a life lesson. So I was, I've always been an entrepreneur since I was 22, built up, became a builder, lost it all in 2009 financially, uh, almost lost my house, 1.5 million in debt, came out of it and got my real estate license and just kind of took off from there. I never dreamt I would be where I am now or even back where I was in 2012. So uh, it's been pretty good ride so far and, you know, I'm enjoying it. So it's interesting because before we turn on the microphone, you mentioned about that, you know, loss in that 2008 crash. And you said, that's not the story I want to talk about because that was kind of more of like a lesson. And I just curious, what did you mean by that? Well, I realized when I was getting started in real estate that I was really prior to that, an absentee father and husband, because all I cared about was work. My motto used to be without work, there's nothing else. So it kind of, it really put my priorities in perspective and it stopped being about the work and it stopped being about the money. So in a sense, I was able to, you know, refine my family, refine my health, uh, you know, I was in poor health back then. So I, I just, I learned a lot of, you know, with my priorities. Uh, it's interesting because I know when we're young, sometimes we get so obsessed with our work and all that. And sometimes even when we're old, <laughs> mm-hmm. 
I get obsessed with work. Sure. And I think, you know, I, I live with my uh, 82-year-old mother who moved here when my father passed away about five years ago. And I do have very busy days. Luckily, I can work out of my home office. And so I see her every day. One of the little tricks that I did is that I know every morning I always have a cup of coffee. So why not set that coffee time to be with mom? And right. so we've created a ritual, no matter how busy I am, even if I've worked for a couple of hours before it, or I've got rushed to work right after, at about 7.45, we sit on our balcony here and I brew up a cup of coffee and I go through the brewing process of, you know, pour over mm -hmm. brewing. And then she doesn't drink a lot of coffee, but, you know, just the process of that, checking in with each other, is just one little tool to kind of make sure we don't lose ourselves in our work and our, our busyness. So. I appreciate you, you know, sharing about that because it makes me realize the value of reinvesting in our yeah. existing relationships. No, it's true. Yeah, it's very important. Yeah. All right. Well, now it's time to share your worst investment ever. And since no one ever, 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 ever goes into their worst investment thinking it will be, mm -hmm. please tell us a bit about the circumstances leading up to it and then tell us your story. Yeah, so... Circumstances leading up to it were, you know, I started dabbling, investing a little bit, buying empty land here, there to build on. You know, I'd buy the land and I'd, I'd get a, a custom house for a builder, a builder would buy it for me, and then they'd build the house. Well, after a while, I started to think, you know, I, mean, I kind of miss building. You know, I want to do that again. And so, you know, I've got the resources, I've got the funds. I thought I'd be a good business builder for or a good relationship builder for my wife and I, and I would have her do design. And then I would have a friend that I have help me with it and kind of, you know, do the project management and stuff. And it started out pretty good and things were going well. And I, in my mind, I was going to be behind the scenes. I wasn't going to be involved in any of it. That's not what happened. And then I just got a little overzealous and I just, you know, I went from doing two projects to next thing you know, we're doing 20 some projects between rehabs and new homes and the rehabs. I was at the time I, I was using some hard money lending and I'm not sure who all is super familiar with that, but you know, they have penalties. If you don't get done in a certain time, they penalize you. And next thing you know, I had six to 10 projects all come up to their maturity date. And I was penalized a ridiculous amount of money, got fined by the EPA because of, uh, construction crews not handling asbestos siding properly. And it was, just, I mean, it was tough. You know, it was well over six figures that I lost in that venture just in that, you know, that first year because of how overzealous that I got. Fortunately, very fortunately, you know, I built up some reserves so that I, you know, was able to weather the storm and not have to, you know, go out, you know, like I did in 2009, but, you know, I just, I got to the point, there was a really, you know, I had a tragic situation with my friend who was running it. He had some serious health issues that I had to fill in for that four months. And I just, with every phone call, I hated answering the phone. I just didn't want, I, I mean, I, I didn't enjoy it. You know, I have to do what I enjoy or I have to enjoy what I do. It stopped being about the money a long time ago for me. And so if I can't wake up and enjoy it, I, I just can't do it. So you know, I told my wife, you know, once Scott got better, I, I just couldn't do it anymore. And she agreed. She didn't want to do it anymore either. And Scott and I sat down, we talked through it and it was amazing because 
it was like this whole just like relief opened up or um, was off my shoulder. But then my business, his business, because he had a separate business, it all just everything else just blew up when we just started focusing on what we enjoyed. So looking back in hindsight, I shouldn't have done it. Lost a lot of money on it. I still have some parts of it. I'm digging out from right now. So this is just in the last two years. And can you remember the day that you had that epiphany that this is, I can't do this anymore. Maybe a conversation you had with your wife or a moment yourself that you had. Well, I had a moment with myself, probably it was probably November of 2019. My conversation with my wife that I said, I couldn't do this anymore. That was the beginning of February in 2020. Hmm. And just to recap back on to this story, I'm curious at the beginning when you went into this idea, what was it that you thought, why it was such a good idea? The system was set up in such a way that he's very good at what he does. You know, my wife's very good at what she does. I have a bookkeeper that handles all the books. I thought that, you know, I would just be behind the scenes and, you know, answering questions when need be. And there was a potential for some good return there on investment. But it wasn't like anything that was overly crazy. So, you know, when I did it, I honestly, in my mind, I I thought I missed it, but I was doing it because I wanted to help my friend. But also, again, I thought I thought it would make my wife and I be closer because we were going to spend more time together. That's not what (laughs) happened um, whatsoever. Not whatsoever. It was actually opposite effect. Oh, okay. So let's review what you learned from this experience. How would you list that out? Well, the biggest thing is, and this is kind of what led to the detriment of it, because it probably could have worked. But what I found was when I got overzealous, so I'm, yeah, I mean, you said a minute ago, uh, I think before we even started that I'm very structured, I'm very calendar oriented, I'm very disciplined in my, my systems and my processes. I tried to force all that on my friend and my wife, and I tried to get them to move at my speed. And what it did is it made them both collapse underneath of it, which then is what started to cause all the projects to delay and delay and delay for a variety of reasons. And and that wasn't fair to them. I shouldn't have tried to force them to be me or have my personality. And at the time, you know, my wife and I talked about it a lot, but neither my friend nor myself would, were able to say, you know what, this is too much. I can't, you know. So it just, yeah. And we finally, you know, we did finally have that conversation, but it was, you know, when things had already started going sideways. So, Hmm. so maybe I'll share a few things that I take away from your story. There's a few things. First thing is kind of whenever we look at our businesses and we look at expanding into a different area, it oftentimes is like that mirror on the car that says things may seem closer than they appear. Right. You know, it, things may seem easier than they appear and it's very dangerous. So that's why we, we need kind of a realist, you know, realistic perspective on things. Right. The other thing is this idea that you mentioned about, you know, I felt like I could be behind the scenes. You know, you had qualified people, people that knew exactly what they were doing. And it reminds me of a story of my own experience where I was an analyst on a team, a research team in an investment bank. And the boss was a really nice guy, and he hired the best people. The people I was working with were excellent. We were all really good, by far 
the best team of individuals that existed in the market. And yet we never received any rankings or any major market share, any major recognition. Later, I led teams of lesser competent people to become number one. And I always look back on that. I wondered why was it with such great people? And what I realized was that great people still need coordination and they still need leadership. So sometimes a mistake that we can make is say, I'm going to get great people and they know what to do, but great people can do exactly what they know what to do and go off in very different directions. So the job of a business and a business leader is coordinating the efforts of great or of all your people. And so it feels to me like that's part of maybe what you missed that, you know, you really did have to coordinate this. And then that brings me down to the, the final one, which is there's a fine line between a company culture, let's say, that's built around the CEO, built around the leader, most of the time, particularly in small business. And that culture may be structure, discipline, planning. There's a fine line between, you know, the importance of having that, but yet the challenge of imposing that. And, you know, how do you work with people who, let's say, are very right brain and they're, they're not as structured as a logical left brain person, let's say. And how do you have space for both of those, but yet still develop like a, a company culture? And I think that your story kind of, you know, highlights that challenge. So those are some of my takeaways from your story. I think I got a lot from it, but what yeah, would you? No, uh, yeah, that was, yeah. And those are, those are both very accurate. So is there anything you would add to that? I know. I mean, you're like, I was very naive and thinking I was going to be just behind the scenes and trying to get them to do it my way, not knowing their personality is not the same as mine. So no, I mean, I think you hit it pretty hell in the head there. Great. So based upon what you learned from this story and what you continue to learn, what one action would you recommend our listeners take to avoid suffering the same fate? Just be more open up front about expectations and processes and make sure everybody understands what's expected of each other. Just do a little more homework up front. You know, I kind of rushed into things. Slow down. <laughs> All right. Last question. What's your number one goal for the next 12 months? Uh, okay. So this is going to sound funny, but one of my big focuses is uh, actually I got a few, but I really enjoy commercial development. So I've been putting some time and effort into that. So I've got some big projects that I'm working on. So I'd like to see my commercial development get a little farther along. All right. So. Well, we'll check in in 12 months. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> it's going all right so far. So it's going good. All right, listeners, there you have it. Another story of loss to keep you winning. Remember, to reduce risk in your life, go to myworstinvestmentever.com right now to download your risk reduction checklist and see how you measure up. As we conclude, Shane, I want to thank you again for coming on the show. And on behalf of Ace Thoughts Academy, I hereby award you alumni status for turning your worst investment ever into your best teaching moment. Do you have any parting words for the audience? I think we covered everything. I appreciate you having me on. It's been good. Yeah, it's great having you on. And that's a wrap on another great story to help us create, grow, and most importantly, protect our well fellow risk takers. This is your worst podcast host, Andrew Stotts, saying, I'll see you on the upside.